welcome back to this episode of the shooting bricks podcast and wow 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 <sighs> wow anyways as always i'm jerry castillo and i'm joined by uh i'm daniel Wen, and joining me as well dang that was a short introduction happy thursday y'all <laughs> boy really real jerell sells and how can this be a happy Thursday when the Warriors gave up a 17-0 run to basically seal game one in the worst way possible? Um, yeah, it's that was a, an amazing downfall for the Warriors squad. And you know what? Instead of being sad about it, I'm going to try and find something. But I'm going to let you guys take the floor first because it's going to take me a little bit to think of something nice about this game. So, Daniel... What are your thoughts on game one of the NBA finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors? Jared, what happened? What happened? They, it looks like, like Boston was going to lose in the third quarter. They looked dead. The leprechauns looked dead. Like no post, like their bodies cold. And like they, most teams in that situation would have waved the white flag. But no, in the fourth quarter, the Warriors literally took a nap. 17-0-1 in the fourth quarter. And... Literally, the Warriors were literally shooting bricks during that entire like last phase of that game. It was just, it was, it was mind boggling. I was stunned. Like, what the hell happened? It, they just, they fell asleep at the wheel. They, they the bed. Anyways, G, what do you gotta say? Yeah, he made a face too, G, when during uh, that whole. I love the plug of uh, shooting bricks, but yeah, you know, I was multitasking watching this game. Um, and you just couldn't just listening to the crowd. I always felt like the Warriors were just dominating there in the game. Like, you know, Celtics getting blown out. Then you couldn't, then you look up at the score and it's like, wow, this is a close game all the way down to the final stretch. Yeah, I am. I am shocked. I am shocked. But you, we were complaining about a boring finals and doesn't, this is, it doesn't get any more exciting than this. Boston stole game one. Yeah. They stole game one by scoring 40 points in the fourth quarter. 40 to 16. And dude, G, you were talking last podcast about who's going to step up for uh, the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum, right? Obviously, he had an off game. But Al Horford, shout out to Al Horford. He made some critical shots. And people are always saying like, oh, you know, experience this, experience that. Well, experience doesn't mean jack garbage if you're going to get if you're going to give up 40 points in the fourth quarter, that's unbelievable. I obviously, I feel some type of way about it, but let's, let's look at the bright side. Curry, he played well, right? He played Amazing. Well. Incredible. Yeah. He, he played out of his mind, but the main thing was, I, I hate to, I hate to kind of like piggy or pick someone out specifically, but Draymond Green, he, like from, gosh, on the offensive end, yeah. Like missing those free throws, those free throws at, at the end of was it near the end of the fourth quarter or pretty damn close to the fourth end of the it fourth was pretty quarter? damn he Draymond took a random ass three and he completely bricked it. Completely. Yeah, it's it's crazy because he wow, this is just looking at the stat sheet now, he went two for twelve. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I, I'm not the best offensive player at all, but I'm pretty sure I can hit more than two shots. Ooh, wait. 
I mean, all of us could probably hit more than two shots. I Granted, it's not the NBA level, of course, but some of the things that he was doing, he was 0 for 3 at the free throw line. Those are easy points, especially like I was mentioning, those toward the end of the fourth quarter, those two free throws, that could have shifted the momentum, but he bricked both of them. Now, I don't know about you, but like I said, Steph Curry had a great game. You know, twelve for twenty-five for thirty-four points. He broke the he broke the uh, the most threes in a quarter record. And surprisingly enough, every time that record has been brought up, the Warriors lost both games. That when they hit five in a quarter, I forgot who it was. I think it was Steph against the Cavs. They lost that game, and then Steph Curry does it again, and they lose this game. So, if I'm Steve Kerr, I. I just try to figure out a way to get how do I even get easy baskets for Draymond Green? Like, because he's missing layups, he's missing wide open free throws, he's missing threes. What kind of offense can he give you, if anything? Gee, you're the coach here. You, you probably figure something out, but go ahead, Daniel. Uh, about Draymond Green, I think this is where Golden State largely lost the game, in my opinion, is that number one, they should have, you know, they should have put their their biggest mistake was not putting their foot on Boston's throat in the fourth quarter. They need to close out. Every team in the that's looking for NBA championship, you got to finish your games. That if you can't do that, you're not gonna win the chip. But I think one of the big reasons why Golden State lost this game was exactly about Draymond. They lost this game in the paint. I think what Boston did, this game was all about three-pointers. It had at least the most combined three-pointers made in NBA Finals history. But Golden State let Boston, you know, you know, edge him out in the paint. Yeah, you had Kevon Looney, but as you said, Jared, you, Boston had Al Horford. Al Horford was a better response to Kevon Looney. So I, at the end of the day, it's a lot of this, you're in fact way correct. Like what Steve Kerr has to be thinking tonight at, you know, on his flight to Boston is like, how do I get Draymond active in this, in this offense or whatever? How, how do I get my other bigs active as well? Because I mean, it's going to be, I still think golden state is going to win this series, but I still think, you know, you got to figure this out. What do you, you have to figure out the pain out because it's, it's a, it's an annoying issue. Yeah. And just really quickly, the Celtics outscored the warriors 34, 26 and points in the paint. Jesus. Like that's just, I think that is a, that is an interesting thing to point out, but go ahead, G. Yeah. If y'all listened to the previous episode, we're back episode. I mentioned that that the Boston Celtics have size and we, we saw it today. You just made a point that they were dominating in the paint. They, what was, what was the numbers again, Jared? 34 Celtics, 26 Warriors. So an eight point difference in the paint. We're not even factoring in rebounds and all of that jazz. Um, I don't think the focus is to get Draymond Green involved in the offense. As a coach, you don't run plays for Draymond Green. He is not your scorer. He is your hustle guy. You maybe have him at the high post, you know, set screens, slip those screens and get ball reversals in. But you want him to be your facilitator. I think the uh, the X factor in this series is going to be Andrew Wiggins. You saw how he started off defensively. He had, what, two blocks, two, two assists and like four points in the first quarter, first half, something like that. Some outrageous stat. 
defensively. He was just he, just checking all the boxes. I think Andrew Wiggins is going to have to be de- the the X factor within this series because he's going to be guarding those wing players and Jason Tatum and, J- and Jalen Brown. Not only that, he's going to have to be a scoring option. He's not a Kevin Durant. He's not Harrison Barnes, but he's Andrew Wiggins. He can he can give you 18 to 20 points consistently, and that's what the Warriors are going to need because I don't even know who the second scorer was this 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 game. Who was it outside of Curry? It was Andrew Wiggins. 20 How many points? 20 points. Okay. So he's already me- meeting what I'm expecting for him to do. I wouldn't say we need to push it more than that. But if Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson aren't hitting their shots, which I doubt that's going to go on for too long, uh, Andrew Wiggins might need to put the, uh, his foot on the pedal, and he might need to steal that finals MVP away from Steph Curry. And it's very interesting you, you bring up the X factor and Andrew Wiggins, two points I'll get to. So the X factor – for me, I feel like should have been Jordan Poole, right? Because like watching Warrior games, yes, what he does on offense is great, but at the same time, what he gives up defensively isn't great because he falls asleep too easily. And there were times when, you know, it was Derek White or it was Jason Tatum or even Jalen Brown. There are moments where it was something that he should have been paying attention to defensively, but just wasn't. He fell asleep. And either they got an easy drive, kick out pass, whatever, or they got an easy bucket. Moving forward, that's not something that is going to work because you mentioned Clay Thompson. He's he shot six of fourteen for fifteen points, right? Obviously, that's Clay Thompson. He's probably not going to sh- shoot that poorly, but at the same time, like that is if Jordan Poole is giving you next to nothing because he only put up what. He, he went two of seven for nine points, one, one of five from three. Okay. But the thing he's giving up defensively, that might be an issue. And then you go back to Andrew Wiggins. When the game started, he was very aggressive, right? He was Absolutely. flying in. He was going in for the rebound. But then, again, just like, just like Jordan Poole, there was just kind of like that thing where it just kind of – turns off that intensity from 11 goes to like a four and then that's that just spreads so go ahead Daniel. I, I, i've noticed about what you know this golden state team did throughout the game where as you said jared like the intensity went off like i completely agree with that there were mo- there it was just weird going from quarter to quarter where both teams did it but the warriors did it much more intensely where in the first quarter the warriors were hot the Warriors were hot, but in the second quarter, they were. There was just like you just felt this weird malaise with this with this team, and it happened again in the th- again in the third quarter. Like Golden State just turned right back on. They became much more aggressive, and in the fourth, they just again they just shut down. So I think what needs to happen for this Golden State team going forward in this series, they gotta find a way to be more consistent, because as of right now, with their in terms of tempo, they're very inconsistent. They're it's either like you know it's very high. Or it's 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 completely dead, and I think that you know it's only game one. But then again, this is the NBA Finals. If they're gonna win, they're gonna win it all. That the team has to figure out, like, hey, we gotta have a steady flow here, because yeah. you know it extremes don't work here. Extremes yeah. don't work. And it's I think it's really, I guess it's stupid of me to say, but I'll say it anyway. Like the Warriors need to win three out of the four quarters. Yeah, like I'm I guessing, like every team does, but I don't know. There's just like you said, it's 
they're on, they're off. And then the third quarter, they're definitely on. And then the fourth quarter, I guess they're just used to winning by so much that they take their, their foot off the gas pedal. Like you, um, like you keep alluding to G like in, you know, podcasts past, uh, playing with your food, right? The words are playing with their food and this is what happened. I mean, yeah, go ahead, G. Big, big facts. Um, not much to say outside of that. I mean, if y'all watch the game, this recap just, just tells you, um, I honestly just don't know what happened. Like I said, I was looking at my screen, typing up, and you just hear, I want to say Oracle Arena, but what's the name of the new arena? Chase Center. Chase Center. You just hear the crowd, like, and I just felt from this jump that that was going to be big, a big part of the Warriors winning this game because the crowd is so involved. But the Celtics were cool, calm, and collected. Um, I know that I mentioned before that the – that their experience might not come into play, but it, it, it showed they look like an experienced team here. They didn't get rattled. They lost a, a bunch of the quarters, but they won the quarter that mattered. And that was the fourth quarter. Um, like you said, Al Horford had an amazing game. Jason Tatum didn't do too, do too hot. And I hope that he doesn't keep getting this, um, this bad rep because no offense, Kobe's had some bad games. I'm not comparing Jason Tatum to Kobe, but just as Lakers fans, you got to understand that sometimes Players are going to have this, uh, these types of games. And if the Celtics can continue to have multiple players, such as Marcus Smart, which I doubt he's good. How many points he had today? 20? Eight, 18. 18. I doubt Marcus Smart comes out the gate hitting two threes in the first quarter again. But if, yeah. the, if, the, if the Celtics can somehow find multiple people to continue to contribute in the, in the ways that they did today, the Warriors are going to be in for some trouble. And, you know, obviously you never want to see the Warriors in trouble, but – you got to give props to the Celtics too, G. Like you said, right? They they didn't get rattled. They kind of forced their way back into this game. And again, praises to uh, to Al Horford because he played out of his mind in his first NBA Finals game. He put up twenty six five and three, and he hit some like I said, timely three point shots, timely baskets, especially the one in the uh, in the on the like next to the baseline or whatever. Like that was a, I you just got to tip your cap off, man. Like that's. It wasn't a tough shot, but it was a shot that he needed to make. And momentum-wise, he made it. But, yeah, I mean, Al Horford led the Celtics to 26. Jalen Brown had 24, which I thought he had more than that, quite honestly. It seemed like he had more than that. Uh, Derek White with 21 off the bench. And then Jason Tatum with 12, but 13 assists. He shot 3 of 17. Now, if you guys are... Let's go. Let's go both sides here. If you guys are Steve Kerr, right? What would you be telling the squad after a loss like this, especially how they were up by what double digits heading into the heading into the fourth quarter? Plus, they led by fifteen in the third quarter. But to see that evaporate and to see the game slip away from your hands like that, I know it's game one. But if you're Steve Kerr, what would you guys tell your squad? Well, first thing you got to remember, Jared, Steve Kerr is the product of the one and the only great, the um, Chicago Bulls and ex-Lakers head coach, the Zen master, Phil Jackson. He comes from that line of thinking. So I think the worst situation, if I was Steve Kerr in this, mo- Kerr in this moment, the worst outcome and worst reaction to this is to overreact. So what I would be in that locker room today, guys, it's game one. We got sucker punched. Let's be honest. We got sucker punched. They, they, the leprechauns gave us the black eye. But let's look at the tape tomorrow morning. 
tomorrow morning, let's learn from our mistakes. Mark Jackson said this on his on the telecast. Learn from our mistakes and let's aim for a more steady flow for game two on Sunday. Um, it's only game one. This game, this series is still wide open. Now, if I was coach Udoka on the Boston side, I would first want to give my props to Derek White and Jalen Brown. They honestly, in my opinion, they were the heroes of this game. Jason Tatum had a bad night, um, but Derek White was had one of the more pivotal, pivotal moments in this game. He gave Boston the lead and late in the fourth quarter. He's the reason why I think he's the biggest reason why Boston won this game. Jalen Brown, when Jason Tatum was out, the sidekick stepped in. Robin saved Batman. So if <clears throat> if I'm Boston, all right, let's prepare for a difficult game too. Let's give it our best. And I would actually have a private conversation with Jason Tatum afterwards. Telling him, dude, if we're going to win the chip, we need you to be all in. You cannot be laying these eggs. I've noticed this with him throughout the playoffs. Sometimes he would lay these eggs from time to time. And I would tell Jason, hey, man, you got to cut that shit out. But that's the gist of what what I would tell the players from both perspectives of both teams. Got it. What about you, G? Um, I'm agreeing with Daniel as far as Derek White being an X-factor for the Boston Celtics. Came off the bench and scored 20 points, and this is not a fluke. He He's done some of that uh, in the previous um, series with Miami, just hitting shots, and he's not known to be a sniper from behind the arc, but he hit, he hit one on Curry, got him off him a little bit, shot a contested three. But um, if I'm Steve Kerr, I, I have to readjust uh, my scheme. And the reason why I'm saying that is because they focused on Jason Tatum. They made sure that he had tougher shots. They had contests, but they I don't think they game plan for um, Derek White coming off the bench for 20 points. Um, what I'm telling my team is we have to we have to team rebound. We have to team come together because as far as uh, defensive defensive boards and getting out to transition, you talked about them choosing whether they want to run with pace or slow it down. The, the good thing about the Warriors is they can do both. But they have to be strategic about it. So first and foremost, we have to secure the boards because, like I said, Boston has size. They're going to be physical. So get those boards, get out in transition, and try to beat them. You got to you gotta play to your strengths, and your strengths is getting out to the transition and hitting those threes. You got to tire them down at, at certain times. So if the Warriors are feeling like they're losing on the run like they did in the fourth quarter, maybe we need to slow down the transition just to run some plays, get Curry moving around, hit that one three, get the crowd going, and then that's when we start pushing the tempo. Um, so that's what I would, would would tell the Warriors. In addition to that, I'm challenging Jordan Poole. Derek White is outperforming you. You didn't get most improved player. You should be in the conversation for six man. And you got this guy, Derek White, who got traded halfway out in the season. Is He's he showing you up. This is your chance. You're over here smiling, holding the conference finals trophy. You need to get the NBA championship. So I'm challenging Jordan Poole. You don't get outplayed by that man. If you if he's scoring more than you, you better be trying to lock him down. You better be doing other things. And then on the flip side, as the Boston Celtics, we gotta keep they gotta keep doing what they're doing. Marcus Smart continuously needs to be the defensive anchor and keep the pressure on the Warriors. You cannot let those light-skinned brothers out there have all free range to shoot these threes. You have to be in their face. You have to. They don't need to get technical fouls, anything like that, but they just need to play with hustle like they did now. Keep your composure. You're a young team. Jason Tatum, shake it off. You talked about wanting to be top five in MVP voting. You talked about wanting to be all-defensive team uh, selection. This is your chance to showcase that. 
Forget all of the accolades. Get this NBA championship. Get this finals MVP. If you're not, if you're scoring under 15, 20 points a game, then you need to be locking up somebody. You need to be getting 10 rebounds. You need to be getting 10 assists. There's other ways to impact games. And Jason Tatum, you went on a stretch this earlier this season when you were getting eight plus assist games and everybody was betting on you to get it. So that's what I'm going to tell him. That's what I'm going to tell the Celtics. But yeah, hopefully next game is going to be as competitive as this hurricane. Sorry, the coach in me just came out. No worries. We love to see that. We love to see that. But yeah, and I basically would agree with all your guys' statements because it is game one. You, the The worst thing either coach can do is overreact. Absolutely. And almost, I am ninety nine point nine percent like thinking to myself that those coaches won't won't overreact. They'll figure it out. But the people on Twitter, they will definitely be freaking out. They're going to overreact, say, oh, Warriors this, Warriors that. Because even through the game, like I was scrolling through social media and they're like, oh, you know, this is the Warriors dynasty. They're seeing that thing, third quarter. Ugh. And then the, the end of the game happens. And they're like, oh, Warriors are washed. This is thing, that thing. LeBron's legacy, whatever. And I'm like, okay, dude, it's one game. Relax. But yeah, I as 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 it stands, right, the Warriors... I think this is the this is probably the best thing that could have that could have happened to them, right? Now they get to figure out, okay, this is what went wrong. This is how the Celtics play under pressure. How can we break that pressure by doing something else? And that's up to Steve Kerr and the staff to figure that out. And it's up to Ime Yudoka to be like, okay, we we punched them in the mouth. They fell down, but they're not knocked out yet. How do we land that that knockout punch? And I think this is going to be a very interesting series. And I'm curious to see how much more, I guess, playing time uh, Otto Porter gets because he's been huge. He's been that dude off the bench, at least. Pivotal. Exactly, pivotal. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll go from there. But um, yeah, just, you know, any, any last thing, any last things I should say to add before we wrap up this, uh, this episode? I think the next two games are going to be especially important in this series. I think Golden State is going to, they're going to, I think they're going to edge out in game two, but I want to, I'm very curious what happens in game three in Boston. So if, if, you know, if Boston can find a way to take a two, one series two one series lead, I'm beginning to think I, you know, I kind of underestimated his Boston, Boston team going up against his dynasty. It, because the way they're playing, like Boston, kind of, kind of, they're they're irritating Golden State more more than I thought. So I think the next two games are going to be very intriguing in my eyes. All right, G. I agree. Just much like I said, Steve Kerr has to adjust his scheme. Uh, for the most part, playing against the Grizzlies, you're focused on John Morant and just hope that other people are going to make shots. To a certain degree, they did, but couldn't deliver. Um, with the Phoenix Suns, you focused on uh, Devin Booker and hoped everybody else made shots. You know, they, they kind of did, but not really. And then when it came to the Dallas Mavericks, all you got is Luka Doncic. So compared to the Boston Celtics, I know we have Jason Tatum. You talked about Jalen Brown being Batman, but Jalen Brown was borderline all-star. And now you got Marcus Smart and Derek White hitting shots. And they play defense. So this is going to be tough. I know I said Celtics in five just to avoid that 6-6. Six, six. Warriors in five. Or Warriors in five just to avoid that six 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 prediction that we had, but it's looking tough. And you know, as a basketball fan, I guess 
But maybe this goes to Game 7. I don't know. I don't know if that's me calling it a little too early. I'm not going back on my word. I don't know if the Warriors are going to be able to win four in a row, though. Um, but, yeah. I mean, shout-out to Zaza Pachulia. I don't know if you guys ever seen that video of him on the Hawks. After, I think, the Hawks won Game 6, they're like, we going to Game 7, baby. Yeah. Game 7. <laughs> so, there we go. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I think this will still go in 6. Warriors win game two, probably win game three, lose game four, win game five, win game six. That's how I foresee the, the series going, but we'll see what happens. But just a, a very, very, very quick, quick hitter. Um, there was news flying around. There's been conflicting reports. That Phil Knight, uh, I'm sure you all know who that is. He's one of the, I think he's one of the co-founders of Nike. Um, hmm. He was in talks to purchase the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers for like $2 billion or something crazy like that. But there've been conflicting reports saying that he isn't purchasing, but Woj is saying that he's thinking about it. And so there's just this weird back and forth. So maybe the Portland Trailblazers might be owned by Nike soon enough. We'll see. We don't know, but interesting things there. And speaking of interesting things there, don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Pricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Huynh. Good luck to the dubs and joining me as well. Go Lakers. <laughs> wow. It's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sells. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>